0: Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening. This is Montgomery County Today, and I'm Dirley with the Public Information Office. Today's podcast features an audio recording of the town hall meeting from the New River Valley Public Health Task Force on May 20th. This town hall focused on local government. Here's moderator Kevin Bird from the New River Valley Regional Commission.
1: Good evening, and welcome to the third installment in a series of six virtual town halls being presented by the New River Valley Public Health Task Force. We appreciate you welcoming us into your homes or wherever you may be viewing this event. We're joined again this week by Doug Williams, who is providing sign language interpretation services. Thank you, Doug, for your assistance with our series. You will learn as we move through our program, the New River Valley is blessed with leaders who care deeply about our communities and they truly work well together. As a result, our citizens should feel confident as we collectively navigate COVID-19 in the New River Valley. My name is Kevin Bird and I'm the executive director of the New River Valley Regional Commission and I have the pleasure of serving as moderator for the virtual town hall series. The New River Valley Public Health Task Force I referenced earlier has been hard at work since early March aligning resources and deploying strategies to support the public health needs of our region. Nearly three months ago, local law enforcement, fire and rescue organizations, hospital and public health officials, local government managers, local public information officers, education officials and others began to develop and activate regional plans for the COVID-19 pandemic. Since then, the New River Valley Public Health Task Force has been working through phase one mitigation providing increasing levels of testing to all communities in the region and securing testing resources and protective equipment for frontline medical and public safety personnel. Each week since March, the task force has provided scalable drive-through test sites across the NRV with faster turnaround for test results. The task force also prioritized clear and consistent messaging and an abundance of public information a result of which is this six-week series of virtual interactive town halls with our third one tonight. Our series continues this week with the topic of local government. The panelists assembled this evening are directly involved with the New River Valley's response to COVID-19. In my role at the Regional Commission, I work closely with this group of leaders, and I can attest. They have a long history of collaboration, and the relationships they've forged over the years are serving our communities well right now. The questions they'll be addressing were submitted by residents across the region prior to tonight's town hall. For more information about the series and to submit questions for future panels, please visit www.montva.com forward slash NRV Town Hall. We also submit live questions via Twitter using the hashtag NRVStrongerTogether and we'll answer them as we're able with time permitting. Before we get underway with this week's panel discussion, I'd like to take a moment and thank all the EMS providers across the region. May 17th through 23rd is National EMS Week, and the theme is Ready Today, Preparing for Tomorrow. The theme was established before COVID-19, and it rings very true as their services in our communities has been instrumental in the New River Valley response to the pandemic, so thank you for your service. As I introduce each panelist, they'll provide a brief introductory statement. First up this evening, we have David
2: Ridpath. He's a
1: Radford city manager.
2: Good evening, thank you, Kevin. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with everybody tonight. Uh, I've served with the city of Radford for a number of years now. It's my hometown, uh, served as a planner, community development, public uh, relations, a number of different things, and have been the city manager for the last 11 years.
1: Great,
2: thank you, David. Next up, we have Jonathan Sweet, Pulaski County Administrator.
3: Yes. um, I've been in local government for nearly 20 years, uh, Chief Administrative Officer for over 17 years, and here in Pulaski County for over three and a half years.
1: Great. Thank you, Jonathan. Next, we have Terry Morris. She's the Floyd County Administrator.
4: Good evening. My name is Terry. I've been with Floyd County for 36 years, this week, actually. I've served as Assistant County Administrator for 31 years, and I've served as the County Administrator for the last five years.
1: Thank you, Terry. Next is Chris McLarney, a Giles County Administrator.
5: Good evening, Kevin. Uh, really appreciate this opportunity uh, for all of us to get together once again and speak. Uh, I've been uh, in Giles County now for 26 years, uh, started out as the County Engineer here and uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, reverted to the uh, job of county administrator, so appreciate the opportunity. Thank you.
1: Great. Thank you, Chris. Next is Mark Verniel, the Blacksburg town manager.
6: Thanks, Kevin. Um, I've been with the town of Blacksburg for 25 years. I actually started out in planning, uh, like David. Um, I've been in the manager's office for about the past 20 years, and I've been the town manager for 15. Great.
7: Thank you, Mark.
1: Next is Randy Wingfield, Christiansburg town manager.
8: Oh Randy Wingfield been with the town of Christiansburg for a little over 22 years now. Uh, Also formerly served as planning director and assistant town manager, and I've been in the town manager's role
9: for about three years now. Great. Thanks, Randy. Next is Craig Meadows, Montgomery County Administrator. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Glad to be with you this evening. I've been in local government for over 30 years. Uh, 17 of that has been in Virginia. I was Uh, City Manager in the City of Bedford for seven years, and I've been in Montgomery County starting on May 11th here, so glad to be with you this evening. Great.
1: Thank you, Craig. And we also have Michael Geary, Montgomery County Emergency Services Coordinator.
9: Thank you, Kevin,
7: and good evening, everyone. I serve Montgomery County as the Emergency Services Coordinator in a two-fold role. First as the Emergency Manager, and second as a liaison for the fire and rescue agencies within the county. Great. Thank you, Michael.
1: Well, Thanks to each of our panelists for joining us this evening and providing insight on the response to COVID-19 in the New River Valley. Our first question this evening is about New River Valley Public Health Task Force. And uh, the first question is what role does local government play in the task force?
6: Well Kevin, I I can touch on that. Um, the, The task force was really created by all of our emergency service leaders here in the New River Valley uh, really, back in mid February, they recognized um, that the coronavirus was working and starting to work its way across the country, and that we needed to start to prepare. And they they set it up originally like your traditional emergency operations center, but within a few days, they really realized that, that this crisis uh, was going to require a lot more expertise, and they and they pulled in the health department, the hospitals, all all of the local government managers, um, public communicators. The school systems universities and, and really brought together this multidisciplinary team um, to look at how we respond as a region and quickly uh, we all realized that we're stronger to work on this together as a region than to work on it all individually um, so the local governments are are right in the middle of that and, and participate on that task force now this group today um, is a, a subset of the local government managers uh, that work in the communities here in the New River Valley, the four counties, and then the city of Radford, and then all the towns that are in the uh, counties. Um, this group, um, and I'll give Kevin credit. Kevin does a great job of of pulling us together regularly. Um, be- even before this this uh, crisis occurred, we would meet, you know, about four or five times a year, um, and Kevin was kind of the, the the entity, the the group, the person who brought us all together. Well. Um, we realized in early March that we needed to be talking a lot more frequently. So this group here is meeting uh, three days a week on a conference call for an hour. Um, Kevin facilitates those calls. And what that's allowed us to do is to share ideas, share best practices, look at um, as the crisis um, started to hit our area, we were able to coordinate how we ramped down our services and then um, once we get after about a month, this group really turned into what we're calling the recovery team, which is the group that's really looking at how does our region recover, how do we come out of this, and and um, and and get get our our economy back open and open, and also protect public health. I know that Chris um, with Giles County, he he's on the calls with the uh, task force every day, so he may want to add a little bit to what I've said.
5: Yeah, I think that uh, you summed it up really well, Mark, but. Uh, I'm the emergency services coordinator in Giles as, as well as the county administrator. So I do sit on those calls and I tell you, it's really been an incredible effort by all of those folks, uh, all the emergency services coordinators, um, the uh, folks that are involved from the hospital, uh, all of our healthcare systems are represented there, um, EMS, fire, uh, police, uh, really great law enforcement uh, representation there, our health department, uh, and certainly couldn't go through this without thanking Dr. Bissell, uh, she's our local director and has done an amazing job. Uh, but that entire group, uh, I guess, until two weeks ago, they were meeting seven days a week, uh, eight a.m. every morning, uh, and just a tremendous effort. Uh, these people really care about their communities, and uh, it's been amazing to watch them all pull together. Uh, it's been uh, it's been something to be part of, and uh, obviously there's some great work coming out of that. And I think we'll probably get around to discussing some of those uh, actions that have come out of that later tonight, but. I think uh, other than that, you summed it up, Mark. Thank you.
1: Thank you all. Um, I know as we were having our conversations as a, the local area managers group in early March, you all were trying to sort through a whole lot of information. And one of those was uh, declaring local states of emergency. Uh, can you all walk us through what that process looks like and really the purpose of declaring a state of emergency locally?
9: Sure, Kevin. I'll be glad to to start with that. Um, A state of emergency just allows a locality to have some flexibility in being able to move forward with addressing issues. Uh, Most of us uh, that have boards and councils, those groups meet once or twice a month. But when you're under a situation with an emergency, you need to be able to move very quickly to address concerns. Uh, You may have to set special rules. You may have to make uh, procurement decisions. Uh, and one of the things I'll say in Montgomery, uh, by issuing the state of emergency, we were able to move very quickly to begin to get uh, items necessary for testing supplies and those sorts of things, which allowed us to be able to move forward into the testing phase that uh, many of us have been participating in. Uh, it does, uh, state of emergency has to be ratified by the elected officials. So it's not something that as Director of Emergency Services, I can just do and, and take off running. Uh, but it does allow us a lot of flexibility and the ability to address concerns right away. And uh, Michael Geary, uh who's on board as our emergency services coordinator, Michael may uh, wanna mention some of the things we were able to do quickly once we declared that state of emergency.
7: Yeah, thank you, Craig. There are a couple things that a state of emergency does for a locality. Uh, the biggest and most important thing that it does is it allows a locality access to resources that typically they wouldn't be able to get access to easily. And so some of the resources that we've been able to pull together out of this have been uh, medics from the National Guard to actually come down and assist with our drive-through testing sites. And typically we wouldn't have access to anything like that or it would be heaps of paperwork to be able to get to that point. And the second and maybe more obvious thing that it does is it lets the public know that it's a very serious matter and to take proper precautions and understand what's going on. And that's essentially what what the local state of emergency does.
9: And uh, Kevin, if I can just add one thing to that as well. One, as we moved into that phase of this pandemic, uh, all of us uh, coordinated with each other uh, as to when states of emergency were gonna be issued. Uh, one of the many things that we've done through this pandemic is worked together very closely regionally, and within a matter of days, I think everybody in the region had to be declared. so um, we, we wanted to coordinate those efforts so we could move as quickly as possible as well.
1: Well, I'm sure following the heels of uh, making the decisions of declaring a local state of emergency comes decisions about facilities and um, how how did you all arrive at making decisions about closing facilities
2: that you're in charge of overseeing kevin i'll i'll take that Um, of course closing facilities is never easy i think the panel would all agree uh there's so many things you've got to move forward on you've got so much momentum you've got to uh, get everybody notified and and make decisions and in this case uh, this was probably one of the fastest moving constantly changing things that I think we've ever been uh, associated with uh, and, and new for relatively everybody. But, uh, you know, we, we worked together, compared notes on some things. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of guidance uh, using the uh, executive orders that, of course, came up of the governor's office, as well as uh, looking at uh, the Virginia Department of Health, uh, the uh, CDC, uh, BDM all gave good guidance as to what we, we needed to do. And of course, uh, we moved quickly to try to get uh, facilities closed. Although I don't really think anybody was ever, other than gymnasiums and libraries being closed, I think all the operations stayed open. Uh, we we're essential service, so we kept everything going, police, fire, all those kinds of things. So nothing really changed along those lines. Uh, it, it's just, it was a different way of doing things. And it'll be a different way when people come back and see uh, the government's, you know, more, uh, we had some teleworking, uh, you know, we handled meetings a little differently, things like that. Uh, but as the public starts seeing us, Reengaging uh, things like plexiglass, and uh, uh, we've put some outdoor um, uh, walk-up windows in several of our buildings, uh, making sure that the um, uh, employees uh, and the public are safe by providing uh, PPE uh, and making sure everything is well cleaned and instill that confidence in the public to to you know, reengage in these facilities. Uh, in the meantime and during this time, and and going forward with this different way of doing business, of course uh public engagement uh, we've had more meetings that have been zoom related uh, teleconferences things like that uh, also um in in moving forward in we've had more um uh, trying to encourage more uh submittal of information electronically uh drop boxes uh email uh phone calls so trying to minimize that uh contact to protect both the safety of the public and the safety of our employees has been uh, hallmark in making decisions on closings right
1: well as you were um getting there talking about closing you immediately started talking about operations next and i'm sure everybody's wondering you know when is reopening going to start happening um i know jonathan you guys have worked really hard in Pulaski county um, and focused on reopening as soon as possible do you want to talk about your process so far
3: Yes, uh, we are focused first on uh, the, the health and safety of our citizens and the health and safety of our employees and of course our business community as well. Uh, we are looking at um, accepting the, the public back into all of our uh, county facilities um, on uh, the 26th. So we're preparing, we've got our, our all of our public touch points um, set up uh, with plexiglass. And uh, other uh, safety features, and all of the employees are back in the office now, and um, I think morale's high, and they're they're excited to receive the public and to do so safely. Uh, our business community, uh, we've seen we've got some feedback from them. They've had some some challenges interpreting all of the guidelines and uh, really evaluating that to see if it makes sense for them to even open in phase one. And we've seen a lot of businesses choose to do this and take advantage of this um, this phase one reopening opportunity. Uh, The county had received so many calls uh, this past Friday about uh, particularly from restaurants about outdoor dining and um, the the, the response from the citizens uh, patronizing these these restaurants were so great that uh, we really had to respond quickly to uh, expanding outdoor dining opportunities and uh, our building department uh, did a really fantastic job uh, going out on site and providing uh, what uh, they needed to authorize them to, to expand their seating. So the moral of the story is um, everyone is responding as quickly as we possibly can to support uh, our citizens, to support uh, service delivery, to support small business and the reopening. Uh, we're excited about the reopening. We've been in this, uh, we're all in this together phase. And I think we're transitioning to a we're all going to get out of this together phase and and really supporting each other uh, pragmatically
6: and creatively to do that.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. How about others on the panel? How are you all approaching that decision about reopening your facilities?
6: I I can add to that, um, and I'd like to plug the um, working smart, working safe guidebook that the uh, task force put out. Um, We had a subgroup. Uh, kind of a sub task force that um, was chamber directors, our tourism directors, uh, uh, all of the business organizations, merchants groups, directors that pulled that together. And it really gives good guidance um, on different, different business types on how they can open safely, um, how they can open safely, how they can keep their employees safe and also keep their customers safe. So that's a good resource. And you can find that on our websites um, that's out there. Um, we're also in Blacksburg, um, we're working to expand outdoor dining opportunities, working with the restaurants. So the restaurateurs they're they're of course busy running their restaurants every day. They've, they had to adapt quickly, go to online ordering and and pick up. Um, So we're, we're, we we put out some information this week uh, that really pulls all the guidelines together um, from the health department, from the governor's office and from Virginia ABC that to help them be successful as they start to open up outdoor dining in our community. Uh, our staff is going out and, and meeting with specific restaurants to help them space their tables out, help, you know, and give them pointers on how to succeed. Um, so if there's any restaurateurs out there that that end up watching this, um, I'd encourage them to get in touch with us or get in touch with your local government, and they'll help you um, successfully set up your outdoor dining um, uh, so that you're, you can bring start to bring some customers back in person to your place of business. Um, I think another important point to make, and I think our communities have have really stepped up and done this, is it's really important to support your local businesses now. Um, The business has drastically changed for them, and and they're doing a lot of creative things to still provide service to the community, but it's more important than ever that we, instead of ordering things online from some some faraway land, um, to shop local, um, buy what you can local, and certainly support the, the local restaurants as well
3: and kevin i'll just mark absolutely and and to stay local uh as well uh uh, consider vacating uh with a staycation in uh, the new river valley in your respective community or uh, one of our beautiful neighboring communities there's so many uh, staycation opportunities
1: and um, we should take advantage of those now's a perfect time Well, do others on the panel have um, government offices opening up soon? Do you have any dates on those to share? And also saying we don't know quite yet is a fine response.
4: Kevin and Floyd, uh, we actually opened our offices back up on Monday with safeguards in place. Um, We do have masks available for visitors uh, for their use if they'd like to wear them. Uh, We ask that they do, we don't demand, but uh, the one item that I've had more questions on than even when we were gonna reopen is about our recycling program because it's so strong in our community and we had pulled all of our recycling boxes back in uh, because our employees sort each recycled piece by hand. We felt the need to do that, to pull those boxes back in you know, just to protect our employees. So we will make a decision by the end of the month uh, as to when we would return those out. Great.
9: And I'd just add, Kevin, in, in Montgomery County, uh, we're looking probably a little later than a few others. We're probably looking at a mid-June reopening for employees. Uh, excuse me, for citizens. Our employees are already back in the office. Uh, we've been utilizing uh, telework uh, to have some employees working in shifts. We've tried not to have everybody here all at the same time. Uh, One of the blessings that we have in Montgomery County is we have a very large uh, government center which allows uh, for a lot of uh, space for various activities. Uh, But when you uh, talk about a pandemic and talk about reopening to the public and determining how to uh, guide the public's interaction through that building, it's created quite a few challenges. So we're we're not moving uh, quite as fast we do have a reopening committee that's evaluating things right now but uh, I would say uh, in Montgomery County we're probably looking at mid-June before the government center will be back open for the public.
2: Kevin our, our courts got started up again this past Monday uh, we we're looking at probably the June 1st date to get pretty much everything back uh, in play uh, like I said we've kept everything pretty much open we're just making these uh, changes as we're going forward it's uh, a lot to lot change and I think all of us w- would agree with fairly small community small governments uh, that's one of the big things is trying to keep your employees apart and do all the safety measures because if you have someone that would be ill or have a family member that's ill uh, which we have had occur in a few places we want to make sure that we don't close everything completely down because we're missing we have to put everybody on quarantine for some kind so we've got to be real careful and and plan out you know real carefully how we get open back
8: up again. Christian's work's looking at opening our town hall uh, early to mid-June also. So we're looking approximately same time frame. Of course, uh, recreations facilities, aquatic center will be longer time frame.
6: Very similar in Blacksburg. Um, Council will start holding public hearings again June 9th. Um, So we will have socially distanced council chambers and, and, and allow people to come back in um our staff is working and many of them in the many in the office some from home but of course you know at local governments a lot of our staffs are uh, public works crews police officers folks that have to provide service in person and those folks have been working all of all through this and i really appreciate um, their efforts and i know that all of my colleagues appreciate the efforts of their staffs as well uh, but i do think the citizens will start seeing things get more back to normal Um, start to be able to actually come into um, our buildings again. Um, But uh, even once our buildings reopen, there's still a a lot of things that can be accomplished over the phone and online. And we'll still encourage people to to use those avenues rather than coming in in person if they don't have to.
5: Our staff has continued to work through the entire process. Uh, We have had a few work from home. But uh, we do anticipate opening up to the public on the 26th. Uh, We actually have a board of supervisors meeting tomorrow night to get official approval of that, but that's when we anticipate that moving forward.
1: Um, Mark, you you talked about this just briefly there in your comments um, about social distancing in council chambers. How do you all envision local government elected bodies functioning differently in the future?
6: Well, I think uh, over the last couple of months, we've tried a little bit of everything. Uh, We've done socially distanced meetings. We've done fully electronic meetings. And I think you look across the New River Valley and look across the country, um, there's a lot of local governments that have done things in in a lot of different ways. Um, One of the factors uh, that we have to deal with is there's public meeting laws um, in every state um, that have certain requirements on how you have to conduct a public meeting. So we're having to work within those but also be creative and use technology to keep people safe. Uh, I, I do expect the General Assembly will probably be looking at some some tweaks to public meeting laws in the future to, uh, in case we're in a situation like this ever again. Um, I think the meetings, um, we, of course, we want them to function as normally as, as we can, um, but I think when you enter the council chambers, uh, you'll see seats that are blocked off. We'll have people spaced out. You'll see councils spread out up on the dais. It um, will have overflow seating um, out into our lobby. Um, fortunately, I think the public hearings that we have coming, we we probably won't have too large of a crowd in the room for those. Um, but we're also going to work to um, put, put out ways that folks can share their comments electronically with the council ahead of the meeting um, so that if an individual doesn't feel comfortable coming into the meeting, they know that they can still get their comments to the council and they, and they can still be heard
2: similarly similarly for radford uh it, it will look look like mark has described uh we've done a lot of uh technology upgrades uh i think that's one thing that's come out of this it's uh, showed all of us that we've needed to significantly change uh things uh, locally as far as uh, being able to uh post and uh get on facebook and do live uh programs and get your audio straightened out things like that so we've we've made some changes there but uh Our council chamber will be separated, we'll keep our members separated out and uh, moving in that process as we graduate from a Zoom platform uh, first couple of weeks of June into hopefully back to regular sessions uh, late in June.
1: Well, one question that uh, I think is probably in lots of people's minds is uh, the the summer events. And um, in particular, what can people expect for events like 4th of July, fireworks, parades, and other activities? I know that the towns and the city often host big events. Uh, what can folks expect this summer?
8: Christiansburg does still plan on hosting our July 4th celebration fireworks at, uh, on Pepper's Ferry Road, same location we've had it the last several years. Uh, In regards, we feel that's a safe event because uh, basically people can watch from the cars and practice social distancing if they do set up chairs and parking lots to watch it. Uh, In regards to other events, we're just gonna basically kind of take a wait-and-see approach. We're gonna plan for those events and try to make measures so that people can meet CDC guidelines if possible. And of course, follow the governor's guidance in in regards to reopening. But basically just play the other... uh, events by ear according to CDC guidelines and governor's guidance but we definitely plan on having our July 4th event or four of our fireworks.
2: We're we're taking ours a step at a time. Uh, Of course one of the big things right now is working the schools try to get our seniors graduated. Uh, That's been one of the toughest things Uh, having a senior myself uh, been a a rough go for them as many of the uh, high schools uh, across the country and also our Uh, colleges have been dealing with uh, not having that event so taking them a little bit at a time of course we're focusing now on July 4th Uh, we definitely gonna have our um, fireworks event we're looking to expand that Uh, it's gonna be a really really good fireworks show Uh, we want folks outdoors Uh, we're not gonna have the uh, typical gathering in the park it's just no way to control the number that event draws eight or nine thousand people it's just very very difficult for us to be able to keep the social distancing there and meet all the needs so we're trying to work out uh, how we're going to do the vi- uh, visuals as far as the fireworks show goes, but uh, it is on at this point. All of those are people are closely tied, but it looks like uh, everybody's kind of worked together and followed suit. So you know, it looks like we're following the same uh, format throughout the summer. Um, each locality is working together because we all work together and promote these events. Uh, as Jonathan said earlier, the staycation—that's what we want folks to do: stay here, go to the event, go to the events, go to our communities, uh, shop.
6: Uh, spend some time there. Very very similar in Blacksburg uh, to what Radford and Christiansburg are doing. We're still planning on shooting our fireworks in uh, in all likelihood from the same location. That's a good spot where a lot of folks can see them from a lot of different places in town. We're even exploring do we uh, go to some larger shells this year and, and get them up a little higher in the air so you can see them from more parts of town. So um, stay tuned there. Uh, just like Radford, we'll, we'll, we'll be canceling our, our traditional music program, um, but we're also looking, are there, are there some creative things, other things that we can do to make the 4th of July celebration feel um, like a normal 4th uh, of July celebration here in Blacksburg?
9: Sounds
1: like there may be a fireworks competition in the works here. Um, Along the same lines of fireworks, 4th of July, people are excited about summer activities. We've also received questions about summer camps. Uh, Being a parent of a child that would be looking forward to those, I think this is front of mind for many parents. Um, Any thoughts on the ability to have summer camps this this year?
8: In Christiansburg, we're planning on having our summer camps. We're going to basically try to hopefully have something for the kids to do this summer. Uh, I think that does fall within the guidance, basically of, of daycare rather than schools. So it is possible to run those. Basically, we're talking about spacing, things like that. Uh, maybe using multiple rooms for the summer camps and maybe even possibly limiting number of children. But uh, we're, we're definitely looking at continuing when we have, actually have registration for our summer camps available. Uh, you know, if it turns out that we can't have them for whatever reason, we'll certainly refund the money, but we're planning on pursuing ours this summer.
3: Uh, Pulaski County is, is evaluating it daily. Uh, one of the challenges is properly staffing it and understanding what, what guidelines, uh, are going to be in place with whatever phase we're going to be in and, and, uh, so we're more than likely going to uh, be making a lot of decisions about summer activities and programming uh, June 1st. Uh, we think we'll be in a much better position to to determine um, what we can and shouldn't do or, or what we can and should do. So uh, stay tuned, uh, June, June 1, we'll have a lot more information.
6: Similar in Blacksburg, I, I think our staff, uh, over the last couple of months have have worked on several different options for what programs could look like if we offer them. Um, No final decisions have been made yet, um, but I would uh, encourage people just to keep an eye out because because this crisis is ever changing, we may make announcements on a very short timeline before an actual uh, program may happen. So pay attention to our website and our social media and we'll be announcing what we're doing later this summer.
2: same thing for us Uh, we don't have any public uh, uh, camps but we do have a number of private ones that are done through our public facilities Uh, most of the private sector ones uh, are canceling uh, throughout the summer i think we're through july up to july at this point so uh, look at those on our website as well
9: i was going to chime in also on that uh, i would certainly encourage folks to keep an eye on the website i appreciate what mark said it is a it is a daily conversation about certain activities and programs uh you know montgomery county has an outdoor pool the frog pond Uh, there's some significant challenges in trying to address how to get that open and and monitor it so uh, there may be some decisions on that fairly soon uh the other camps and things i know we continue to discuss with our neighboring jurisdictions and uh, i would just encourage folks to Pay attention to the website and notices. We'll let folks know as soon as we know what's going what's going to happen.
6: I'll I'll chime in again too, and I will say that you know this group talks three days a week, and this is a topic that comes up frequently. And we all feel that it's very important to hold events when we can safely and 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 bring um, reasons to celebrate to our communities, like Fourth of July fireworks. Um, provide recreational opportunities for our communities in any way that we can um, and that's why we've we've done a lot of coordination on um, trails and parks and how do we provide outdoor recreational opportunities throughout this and now we're also starting to look at okay how do we start to get some normalcy back through some of our camps and programs um, so that is a topic that this group does talk about very frequently frequently
3: and our, and our parks and directors and staff, they're, from all the different jurisdictions, they're, they're talking and communicating and sharing best practices and uh, making prognostications together and, and doing a really good job. So we're not only talking, but our staffs are talking, too.
1: Well, as of last Friday, most of Virginia entered phase one of reopening which allows for some expanded business operations and uh, with, with some limitations in place, of course. Uh, one of those is the uh, outdoor dining. We talked a little bit about that a moment ago, but I'm going to dive a little bit deeper here on that. And so outdoor dining being enabled at restaurants and it appears some state laws such as ABC, they've adjusted somewhat to accommodate for outdoor dining. Um, how are you all working with the businesses on outdoor dining? We had a question that came in just a moment ago about are you all um, able to close off streets to allow for dining to spill outside and provide physical distancing um, you know any creativity to um, to help for outdoor dining?
6: Yes, we actually have um, some staff members that are talking to our downtown Blacksburg Incorporated but also talking to restaurants looking at how we can expand outdoor dining here um, and and some of the things we are discussing are potentially um, closing some streets while traffic is down and allowing outdoor dining to grow into those areas. Um, and as I said, we're also having our staff go out and try to work with the restaurants to, to make sure that things are spaced out safely and, and, and things are done according to, to the governor's rules. Um, Cause we want to, you know, help, help those businesses um, get through the summer um, and also give our, our uh, citizens some opportunity to get out of the house and do it in, in a safe fashion. So I think in Blacksburg over the next few weeks, you may see some of those things um, start to emerge, but we really want to work with our downtown businesses um, to make sure that we're doing it in a way that, that um, is in their best interest as well.
2: We're we're doing a similar, we do have a couple of public areas, uh, our Carson courtyard and triangle lot. Uh, we're bringing some additional tables in uh, within the next few days. Uh, we should have seen those additional tables and we're putting umbrellas uh, on the site to help, with some shade. So that should be, be some good, uh, public areas, uh, very close proximity to our restaurants and get folks outdoors and, and, uh, have some places to enjoy. And we also working with our, um, restaurants, uh, looking at the public space they have available and working with them as they look at parking lot areas and other areas around their businesses to be able to expand and take the most, uh, advantage of uh, public spaces they can, uh, to serve customers.
8: Christiansburg's really handling it the same. Uh, we're looking at, basically trying to expand outdoor dining opportunities for our local restaurants. If, if they can get the space in, we're certainly willing to work with them to try to accommodate it. So pre- pretty similar, uh, we want them to be open and be successful and have as much business as they can. And if they can expand their outdoor dining to get more customers in, we're certainly open for it.
1: Great, well, I'd like to shed some light on positive initiatives as a result of the pandemic. What have you all observed locally that has been inspiring in the COVID response?
2: I, I think just the service provision. Our, our fire and EMS police folks have been wonderful. Uh, out there every day, uh, the sanitation guys, uh, public works, all the different areas. Uh, you, 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 I think everybody has worked at their best. That we've made sure the services have continued. Uh, Th- this group is mentioned several times, uh, just us talking three times a week and actually more often than that, by the time you had all the subcommittees and the task force committees and, and all together. And then I would say you are our, our stats, uh, the directors of, of all of our departments are working well together in areas of recreation, uh, sharing notes in, in public works areas. Uh, uh, I know if any of us have any problems, uh, we talked about water being one of the critical areas. Uh, if something happened that we would try to share uh, operators um, among us if we needed to, to make sure that water is continued to be delivered uh, to our to our citizens and our businesses. So uh, everywhere we have turned, uh, just uh, the human element of this has just been been wonderful. Our communities uh, and our people have worked very well in unprecedented times.
5: You often hear that uh, people say in the toughest times, you'll see the best and the worst of people, but I must say I've only seen the best in people other than that whole toilet paper thing. But aside from that, it's been nothing but the best of people. Uh, We've had a number of volunteers that have come out and provided meals for first responders. We've had uh, the feeding program in the school and just a huge number of volunteers that are helping out with that program. Uh, We have a program called uh, Senior Check, and we're calling and checking on seniors uh, once a day, some of them once a week but uh, set up a network to deliver food and supplies, uh, prescriptions, anything we can to try to protect our uh, vulnerable populations. And I have been overwhelmed by the community support for those uh, endeavors and uh, really can't say enough about the community pulling together. And then, and this group is uh, in general, wonderful group of people and uh, it has been a pleasure to work with them all. I think we've all gotten to know each other uh, much better through this process, but uh I think all those things have been really inspiring. Uh, it's been great to watch, and I think you know there's a lot of negatives that have come out of this, but there's also been a lot of positives. I think uh, you know all of us probably appreciate things we didn't used to as much.
3: Absolutely, there's been so many cool stories that have come out of this uh, this crisis. Um, I've heard stories about uh, their their barbers being tipped. You know, tipping their barbers. Uh, even without a haircut and uh, so many different tip stories. One of the coolest ones I heard recently, uh, someone gave me a call and asked if it was okay for uh, them to meet the, the sanitation workers, the, the guys on the back of the trash truck at their, uh, the end of their, their driveway. When they came and picked up the trash, they had a gift for them. And uh, they had personally made cards to these guys and, and put cash in the cards. And, um, I didn't check policy. I just said, yeah, I think that would be okay. Um, and something that they really wanted to do and it, it just, they took the time to realize how important, um, otherwise unimportant functions or, uh, you know, things that, that the services that they're getting that they don't think about every day, how important those services are and who provides those services. And so it's a really it's it's a re, it's a reflection. We're all self-reflecting on what's important and what's not important. We're, I think, we're really surprised at what we're finding is, and we're hearing stories about that all over the place. And it was cool that uh, uh, that they recognize our sanitation workers as uh, really part of the front lines in responding to COVID.
7: Kevin, there is something that I wanted to build off of what Chris had said. And going back to this group and the group effort that we've seen working together through this pandemic, it's just been, you know, incredible to see the work that's come out of this from so many different places across the New River Valley, whether it be fire rescue law enforcement. Every every day that we're out there, we have anywhere from eight to ten different law enforcement agencies that come out from across the New River Valley. And to see that that work come together and for all these groups to just be pushing for the best has been awesome to see.
1: Well, thanks for sharing those stories. I'm sure we'll continue to be inspired by the
4: community. I i had a couple in Floyd that happened. Uh, one is we have a local company that produces very high end bed linens, um, course obviously their sales have not been very high during this time so uh, they teamed up with another local company here that manufactures the uh, N95 filtration material and they have started making masks so we're hoping that may be a new business adventure for both of them Uh, then that same company also provided some of their excess material to the county and we distributed it out to various Uh, groups in the county like some of the church groups and different folks that were making masks at home so they turned around and gave all those masks to us to distribute out to our employees and especially our you know law enforcement fire and EMS we really appreciated that so you never know what will come out of some of those collaborations oh that's great
1: how have you all seen local government innovate during this situation?
6: Well, our operations is all it really in every aspect of our operations have changed. Um, we've had to, to do a lot more electronic, obviously as we're doing this tonight. Um, but even operations like our transit system, they had to, they're, they're a system that that carries four and a half million, passengers a year. Um, typically, while when Virginia Tech is in session, there are anywhere from 20,000 to 25,000 passengers a day. Um, they quickly had to ramp down to about three to 400 a day. And they had to figure out, um, number one, how do we keep our drivers safe? How do we change our service? They went fare-free, started loading the bus from the rear, but also they kept those critical services on the road because the folks that are riding transit now are folks that, that need that transportation. So, Um, So that's just one example. I think you could go to really every one of our our government operations and and look at how um, they've innovated and and changed as the as the private sector has too. I think you look around our business communities and you've seen every business um, innovate um, and change the way they do business to keep serving their community. So that's that's something that's that going back to the previous question, um, I, I think that's what I'd like to see. Uh, I, I've enjoyed seeing over, over the last couple of months, is the amount of innovation um, that we've been seeing from businesses, from nonprofits, and from local governments.
8: Like Mark said, well, we have had to basically adjust how we do business. Obviously, we're doing a lot more telecommuting, uh, a lot more Zoom meetings, and we've had to make adjustments to our public public meeting processes. Uh, our farmers markets have all had to change the way they operate. A lot of them are op- operating on a drive-through, basically a call-ahead order system. So you can drive-through pick up, and you have to obviously have social distancing in place if you are going to have a, a live farmers market. So it's just a lot of things to consider. Obviously, you know, parks and recs are closed right now. Uh, we, we were doing extra cleaning on our facilities, our playgrounds when they were open, things like that. So, uh, Def, definitely a lot of changes
9: for us I did hear uh, when David was talking about technology and, and things that they were looking to do we've we've taken a hard look at technology in Montgomery county as well by working virtually and doing a lot of these zoom meetings we've really um, taken a look at is you know once once we get out of this situation with the pandemic maybe some of these things that we're doing now are are going to help make us more efficient, help us better serve the citizens. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that we got uh, pushed into some of this and the way we've had to deal with it very quickly. But honestly, sometimes government's a little slow to, to change the way we do things. And it's been an opportunity to, to step back and look at what we're doing. And, um, you know, I'm very hopeful that when, when we're done with this with some of the changes in technology and whatnot, it should make for more efficient service for the citizens, which is what we're all
2: about. I think also one of the things uh, that, that's happened, or, or many things that you don't see, uh, we're looking, we've made a number of changes um, in behind the scenes technology just to protect from cyber uh, invasions and things like that, that we're uh, protecting our records and that kind of information. I think uh, as this pandemic gets started, uh, there was evidence that some of that was trying to go on early, so uh, a number of different things have changed there, so I think we've had to look. All the way across the board, and everything associated with technology, to the way we meet, the way we interact with the public, and and as Craig said, uh, it's going to be a different way. And you know, it it I think it's some of it is improving some efficiency as well. Um, there's not a reason that people need to come to your building every day if you can handle things uh, from afar and, and and meet with them through Zoom or or have a, a, another meeting. It's certainly saved uh, taxpayers on gas money and uh, all of the the uh, traveling that has needed to go on. Uh, and we've still been able to maintain training and a lot of these companies that do the training for our governments uh, have stepped up and been able to still be able to provide that service uh, for us as well. Great. Well,
1: we have about 10 minutes left and I have a few more questions I want to get in front of this group so our audience can hear your responses. Um, can you all describe the economic impact that you're observing right now on local governments and what are some current strategies for addressing those budget impacts.
9: Kevin, I can start with that. Uh, I know in Montgomery County and the two towns, uh, especially for the two towns uh, in the county, uh, meals taxes, hotel occupancy taxes have taken a big hit. Uh, Those are very dramatic uh, hits on the two towns. I'll let Mark and Randy speak to the specifics. And Montgomery County itself, you know, the biggest concern we have right now is sales tax and what's going to happen with that. Uh, our biggest uh, our biggest expenditure in the county budget is public schools. So we're very closely watching uh, the sales tax information and also working very closely with schools to keep an eye on how, how that may impact them going into the new fiscal year. Uh, one of the things the Board of Supervisors did uh, working with the treasurer's office is agree very early on, and I know several of our others have done this as well. Uh, The board did not uh, change the due date of the real estate taxes. Our real estate taxes in Montgomery are due twice a year, one of those dates being June the 5th. Uh, They did not change the due date. However, they did agree that if someone is unable due to a hardship to pay by the due date on June 5th to, in essence, give a 90-day grace period up until September 3rd, Uh, where uh, no penalty or interest would be assessed on those real estate taxes. So uh, that was just one way that uh, our local government tried to work with citizens who may be encountering a hardship right now. And I know we're not the only ones that have taken actions like that. I know the towns looked at uh, mills and occupancy taxes. Um, I'm sure others would want to speak to that as well, but trying to be very cognizant of the impact on our citizens and uh, taking a hard look at our budgeting and, and how that may be affected.
8: I like you mentioned the impact on the towns and I think the towns probably do feel it a little harder uh, budget wise when it comes to the impact just because uh, t- typically towns do depend on mills, uh, transient, lodging, uh, things like that a little more in our budgets than, than counties and cities. Uh, give you an example for a town of Christiansburg, if you look at sales tax, Meals tax, transit lodging, and BPOL, that accounts for 46.4% of our operating budget. And for Blacksburg, it was 39.3%. So, you know, obviously a huge portion of our operating budget. Uh, we've got the impacts because we don't have visitors to the area that are normally coming in for graduations, sporting events, and anything like that. Plus, our region also kind of gets a double impact because you've got approximately 40,000 college students between Bradford and, and Virginia Tech who largely didn't come back into the community because of online classes. So you've kind of taken them out of the economy, out of shopping, dining, and everything else in the community. So it's obviously a pretty huge impact for all of us without the students and also without the accompanying visitors for the, for the universities and just travel in general. I know Christiansburg's pretty heavily invested in uh, sports tourism between the Aquatic Center and our Harkrader Sports Complex. And obviously right now we aren't able to hold events at those. So we're, we're kind of feeling impact to our, our revenue from, from those facilities too. So like I say, just, just kind of huge impacts all across the Newer Valley. And I think the Newer Valley is maybe a little more heavily invo- invested in tourism than, than other localities. We have a lot of natural beauty between uh, Blue Ridge Parkway the National Park the New River so uh, we we do have a lot of all of, to offer but when people aren't traveling they can't come and appreciate it
3: one of the challenges is preparing for the unknown and uh and preparing a budget we we're in budget season um, and looking at projected revenue loss <clears throat> no one really has a uh a proven model yet we, we we just make some presumptions and and try and plan and prepare for that but what consequence that has is delayed in a lot of capital outlay which for local governments those are investments back in the community and those investments are going to be delayed um, you know we're, we're challenged with continuing the, the high level of quality service uh with reductions in operations um, you know, we may have to make personnel adjustments with, with respect to, uh, um, you know, freezing new or freezing filling uh, freeze filling positions and a variety of other adjustments that we we have to make. We're going to be funding uh, our NGOs in a different way, uh, probably quarterly versus upfront annually. Uh, you know, there's a lot of adjustments local governments are going to have to make because of the unknown. Uh, we, we, there's some things we do know, but it's all those other, other unknowns that, uh, you know, we have to prepare for those and try and figure out how to uh, lessen the impact of uh, potentially a lot of, of lost revenue to, to the localities.
6: Yeah, Randy mentioned the uh, impact of the universities on our region and, of course, Blacksburg. thats It's that, a huge impact here. Um, when you look at our population, about two-thirds of our population is, is college students. Um, and, and as uh, the students didn't return from Spring Break, they went online. Of course, a lot of those students didn't return. Um, so we had um, the stay-at-home order that the rest of the state and really the rest of the country was dealing with, but we also had a big chunk of our population that just wasn't here um, to patronize our businesses that were still open for, for delivery and, and takeout. Um, and then, as Jonathan mentioned, um, it, it is challenging to plan for what's going to happen in the next year. I think we all kind got of got a handle on the remainder of this fiscal year. We kind of know where we are. Um, but going into the next year, there's just a lot of unknowns um, as to what's going to happen, um, how this pandemic's going to evolve, but also um, what decisions are going to be made um, by the two universities uh, about what the next school year looks like and then what, how are they going to have to react to how this pandemic plays out. So um, we've all had to do uh, a lot of scenario planning around what our budget looks like uh, for next year. I think we all have a pretty good handle on it. We all have good strategies for how to deal with it, um, but it is gonna be something that's gonna be a fluid situation that we're gonna have to keep our eye on. Um, we're all hoping for the best, of course. Um, um, so hopefully things will will start to gradually normalize, um, but we also have to prepare for for what else may happen.
2: I would echo uh, what Mark had said. see uh, Radford, half our population is Radford University students. So when they're gone, we've had an extended summer uh, where we're used to seeing uh, June, J- June, July be somewhat slower. Uh, that's now extended almost uh, four and a half months. Uh, and we've got a good handle on the end of the fiscal year, but looking to that next fiscal year is going to be tough as it affects sales, uh, meals, lodging, and then. All these events have been canceled, and then the events associated with uh, the universities—you know, not having graduation, not having uh, the concerts and things that they have in the in the springtime—then is also uh, compounded in in our um, restaurants and in our hotels and motels. So, uh, the the university is very important uh, driver in our economy. Uh, just looking at utilities, uh, Radford's a little different than others because we uh, own our own electric company, um, provide the water system that we have. Uh, we've been looking back and, and electric usage is the lowest it's been in, in nearly four decades. So uh, those kinds of things do uh, impact us and we do a transfer from the electric fund over to our general fund to help that in that support. Uh, we're fortunate that um, meal sales and lodging is about 12% of our uh, revenue base, but those other things and that combined can add up significantly when you're talking about $25 million in your general fund.
1: What are you all doing to to support businesses right now? You know, Jonathan earlier talked about staycation. Certainly um, spending some money locally is important. Uh, what else are you all doing to support businesses locally?
5: Kevin, I think you've already heard uh, discussions about uh, Smart information that's been distributed. Um, that was an outstanding document. Uh, the CDC finally came out with the document today, and whatever guidance is in there will be inserted but uh, we've also been working on a business continuity team. And uh, the concept there is uh, wraparound services, technical services that uh, businesses will need once they open, should they have uh, a positive uh, test one of their employees. And that's everything from manufacturing, a manufacturing or industry can't uh, just stop a line uh, for two or three days because they have someone test positive on the line. So the concept would be that we'd have a team that could go in and sanitize uh, a facility and then certify that has been cleaned, they could test employees. Um, and then there would be a technical advisory group uh, headed up by a doctor or a medical director who could provide best practices uh, for that particular business. And we talk about industry, but then if you have a small mom and pops business, uh, you know, and they have a, an employee that tests positive, it really could literally ruin their business. Uh, how long will it be before the public uh, has enough trust to go back into that facility? So the idea is to, to make this available to everyone. Uh, so uh, this business continuity team, uh, would be available 24 seven, um, almost like a telemedicine, uh, you pick up the phone, a business owner can call and get information, or if they need, uh, need assistance there with sanitization of their facility, whatever that, uh, they would need that full wraparound service would be, would be available to them. So we think that's really important as we open up, um, and, we want to create confidence uh, in consumers, and we want to, you know, we want the community to know that there is uh, there are very competent people uh, looking out for their safety, and give business owners, uh, you know, a sense of security too that it's okay to open. It's okay. There's there's someone out there to help you, uh, to help you interpret, uh, and again provide those best practices because as we know, there's a lot of information out there, uh, a lot of misinformation, and a lot of it's very hard to uh, comprehend. And one of the business is different. You know, the floor plans different. The layouts are different. So getting that adequate information into the hands of business owners is important. Our health department is doing that currently. But, uh, you know, once we really open up, there's just not enough of them. And we don't want to overwhelm them. They have a job to do as well. And we don't want to overwhelm them with, uh, with those type of calls. So uh, that the business continuity team should fill that role very well. And that has come out of um, our, our consortium of counties that have come together here under the task force. So uh, we hope that will be a, a really good asset for the group and for the entire New River Valley.
8: Great. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. Um, in Christiansburg, our town council adopted a resolution, basically uh, setting penalty and interest at 0% for meals and lodging tax. That kind of, I guess, in, in order to help our our restaurants and hotels, I guess, kind of make it through this. Basically, they won't, wouldn't have to pay, with at least with concern for paying penalty and interest, for the months of March, April, and, and May. And we did something similar in regards to water billing also. Uh, Pulaski County did, this, did, did the same thing through our Commissioner of Revenues Office and the Board of Supervisors,
3: uh, as Craig was mentioning, also lowered that penalty and interest for uh, real estate taxes due June 5th. It's important to denote that that's probably the most universal um, uh, response we could have uh, it, it's everyone who pays taxes and that's citizens and small businesses and large businesses uh, effectively all the escrows will pay anyone who wants to pay and can pay should pay because local governments need cash flow too but uh, it's not taking advantage of anyone who finds themselves in a position because of this crisis unable to pay. Uh, we're not going to uh, enjoy any uh, penalty or interest from that. Uh, other, uh, We're also, I think everyone in the New River Valley, we're also working with the Virginia Small Business Financing Authorities to defer loan payments through our economic development departments, uh, any kind of, of micro loan programs or revolving loan programs that we have. We're working with our our businesses to, to uh, defer uh, some loan payments as well anything that we can do to support them and basically uh, buoy them uh, for a period of time until the, the 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 state allows us to reopen and allows them to continue to do business and, and conduct commerce so um, we're being very responsive uh, there's not a lot of cookie cutter things that we're doing we're really trying to respond specifically to what uh, our uh, the new river valley businesses need uh, to to get through this time and there's a lot of best practices out there that my my colleagues are are employing and, and i'm gleaning from and um, I, my my respect has increased so much for for the creativity uh, from each of these the communities in the new river valley and how they're responding uh to the to the business community's needs
1: great well thank you all and We've gone a little bit over and no one on this panel is unfamiliar with working overtime. So appreciate the extra time that you all put in tonight and the extra time that you put in every day serving your communities. Um, the community has done a great job yet again submitting thoughtful questions for our panel that spurred great conversation. And I wanna thank each of our panels for joining us. We also apologize for the loss of our sign language interpreter midway through our session this evening due to technical difficulties but uh, we will have a summary of tonight's town hall be available on montva.com forward slash nrv town hall. We have summaries there as well from previous town halls and we'll have tonight's posted. I also like to express my appreciation for the services delivered by all of our local government employees uh, to communities across the Newer Valley on a daily basis. As we look to the future, the Public Health Task Force We're creating a playbook to help everyone in the New Valley navigate the next phase, recovery. This series of virtual town halls is your opportunity to continue that conversation. We invite you to join us each Wednesday at 6 p.m. If you're not able to join live, the series will be archived on YouTube. The links will also be posted to agency websites and social media. The series will also be rebroadcast on local access cable stations including Comcast and Chintel Channel 190 for Christiansburg and Montgomery County along with Comcast Channel 2 and Blacksburg. Additional dates and topics for the virtual town hall series include the following May 27th local and small business, June 3rd education focusing on K-12, June 10th education focusing on colleges and universities. Before we wrap up this evening, I'd like to extend a special thank you to those behind the scenes who are making the virtual town hall series possible. And they're the public information officers who serve local governments, agencies, and higher education institutions in the region. The program this evening would not be possible without their contributions. So thank you and be well.
0: That concludes the recording of this virtual town hall meeting. We hope you found it informative and will share it with others in our community. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you'd like to stay up to date on these meetings and other happenings in Montgomery County. If you have questions about COVID-19 recovery efforts in our area and would like to submit a question, visit montva.com slash hall.